You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week, we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 121. Have you been wondering where you should put your money when it comes to growing your business? Chances are you might be thinking ads or marketing, but today's guest shares some insight on the two sides of branding. Having this figured out will help you understand where you could best spend your time and your money. Hi, Natasha. It's so nice to chat with you today. Thank you so much, Maria. I'm looking forward to it. I love that you are both a nurse and a brand strategist. Did you have a career change or do you still do both? That's a great question. I actually have a complete career change. I did nursing for a few years, probably close to 10 years. And while I was transitioning into full-time business, I did do a little nursing still. I taught at a school and then I made a full complete transition probably about 14 years ago, fully transitioned into business. That's amazing. It's So nice to hear when somebody puts that much time into a career like nursing and then they decide, you know, I'm going to try something different because it does seem that when you put that much time and money into it that you feel like maybe I should stay here forever. Mm -hmm. But I like that it wasn't a a life sentence. Not that you didn't enjoy it, but I like that you had um, the ability or or the know-how to say, I'm going to do something else. I'm saying that's a great point you made because I did have some, some hesitation about switching. So having the career change, I was a bit challenged and I had some guilt when I thought about changing. After all, I went to school, I got this degree, I'm working in the profession and I felt a little bit like a hypocrite when it was time for me to change. And once I got past that and got over that, it just made it a lot easier for me to embrace my new world, my new profession. But I did have some guilt and some hesitation about fully changing over, realizing this is what you went to school for originally. Can you tell me what it was that made you realize you wanted to try something different? To be honest, it chose me more than I chose it. (laughs) I was minding my business, working and, and in my career as a registered nurse, and I worked in the emergency room. And that's what I did. And I and I enjoyed it. But soon thereafter, as I said, a few years in, I started finding a lot of interest in the business side of the hospital. And I started questioning how does something work and what's the business side of it. And so my interest continued to grow from there. And once I completely was resonating with the business side of things, I no longer had the desire and the hunger to stay on the clinical side uh, of the world. And so honestly, it chose me more than me choosing it. I love that you decided to not only pursue something different, but then at what point was it that you realized that you didn't want to work for somebody in this new field, rather you wanted to actually start your own business? You know, I come from a family of business owners, of entrepreneurs. And so it really wasn't that hard of a switch for me. But the moment that I knew that I wanted to to really, you know, chart my own course and build my own legacy was at the moment where I did not want anyone to dictate to me how fast I can be promoted, how fast I can grow, how much money I could make. I really got to the point where where a company was placing a ceiling on my income bothered me a lot. 
And no matter how good I got at what I did, no matter how many awards and certifications and recognitions that I got, accolades I got, I was always going to have this ceiling imposed on me with my income. And I realized that's not going to work for me. I did not want to be told when I can use my skill and what I'll be able to get my earning for my skill. And I didn't want to be told when I can go on vacation, when, when I can spend time with my family. I didn't want that anymore. I didn't like it. And so I realized working for someone is not going to allow me to be the best person that I can be. Yeah. Oh, that's so important to take into consideration. Sometimes that's the one thing we forget is that you do have to wait and, and make sure your um, vacation time is approved or that mm-hmm. you, you know, stay within the, the certain number of days off that you're allowed. So I do think it's difficult sometimes to walk away from your own business and take a vacation. But like you're saying, it's all in your control. So that's just one of the perks. Absolutely. Definitely one of the perks. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I want to be in business for myself because I want to have more freedom and I want my own control. Well, and actually I work more, more hours, more days um, (laughs) in having my own business than I did working for someone else. to be honest. <laughs> yes, but but I I find it's different work. I feel like when you're working for yourself, it almost seems to go quicker. It seems to be not as much of a drag as mm-hmm. when you're punching in and working for someone else. Oh, no, absolutely. There are some days where, you know, and my day starts very early. Um, I'm a very disciplined person. Um, I have disciplined work hours and things like that. And some days, I'll look up and I'm like, oh my goodness, when did it, when did four o'clock get here? And I'm feeling like, you know, (laughs) I feel like, my goodness, it was just 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. So I agree with you. It is a different type of work. And to be honest, you know, a lot of people say when you do what you love, you'll never work another day. And that's actually the truth. It's actually the truth because when I'm doing what I absolutely love and I'm in my happy place and I'm serving my clients and I'm bringing my genius out into the universe and I'm helping people, you know, I am on cloud nine. I'm having the time of my life. And I tell people, even on my hardest day, I still love what I do. Yeah. And I think that should be the goal is to be able to get lost in your work in that way where it doesn't feel like it's dragging every single day, where it doesn't feel like it's such torture. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Can you tell me how the vision for Impact Branding came about? Oh, yes. So Impact Branding is actually my third company. My vision for Impact Branding emerged after I realized that I had more to bring to this world than I was giving. And also Impact Branding came to life after going through a very sudden divorce. I never saw the thing coming really. And I was in with my husband for 12 years. And, you know, when he decided that, you know, marriage wasn't for him and he didn't want to be in the marriage anymore for for many different reasons. He had to deal with himself and deal with some other things. He only, he could exercise control over if he was married or not. And so that's where he went. And when he made that decision, it really shook me. It shook my world. It completely distorted what I knew life to be. And I really was really in a really just a low place for about two months two to three months. And I remember the moment where the transition happened for me, where I said, you know something, never again will will I allow a person or a circumstance to take away my identity. And I am here for this great purpose and I have to be an impact in the universe. And really that's how, that is exactly how 
impact branding came to life was through this particular shift in life. And I realized never again will I be in this place. And so therefore I have to make sure that I bring my genius to the universe so that other people can always continue to thrive. And our company impact branding has been growing. And I believe honestly that Just like no good person should be left behind with impact branding, the mission is that no good brand is left behind. Oh, I love that. And it's got such a personal connection with the word impact. I feel like that really says a lot and how passionate you are about it. Yes, yes. Very passionate. There was a moment where, you know, you go to school, you get a degree and in your mind, you're like, this is what I'm going to do because I love nursing. I knew I wanted to be a nurse and I loved it. However, when the moment came and and these things then shook me and said, hold on, wait a second. I I love nursing. So now I have to choose which one do I want more? Do I want my freedom and I want to be in control of my own legacy and my growth? Or do I love the essence of nursing and what I'm doing to the point that I'm willing to give up my ability to build my own legacy and have my freedom? And that really was not a very easy choice. It was a difficult choice. And even though coming from a family of entrepreneurs, I had family members that were full-time entrepreneurs, but I also had family that were part-time entrepreneurs. So I was looking at looking at entrepreneurship at two different angles. And I had to look and say, wait a second, which one do I want more? So even okay. though my family came from entrepreneurs. I did have a pocket of individuals who are part-time entrepreneurs, but I also had a whole different uh, section of my family that they were full-time entrepreneurs. And so I'm seeing their life. I'm seeing the other side. I'm trying to evaluate myself. And I said, I have to pick something. I have to choose a side. Yeah. And the I think the stability of having insurance and a paycheck every week, I think sometimes <laughs> that is the, the thing that frightens people from taking the leap. You know, oh, and so yes. I always I always say, well, why don't you start on a part time basis? And then if you can get used to it, then then maybe you can go ahead and make the full leap as opposed to jumping in with all that uncertainty. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it was a big deal. I mean, you walk away from a steady check that's going to show up as long as you have a job, as long as you have employment, it's going to show up every other week, whether you perform well or not, whether that whether that large company makes a profit or not, you're going to get your paycheck, right? Unless they terminate you, right? But then also you get medical insurance. And I remember I went many, many years after going full-time in business, I went, I went many years without medical insurance. And of course it made me nervous. I was like, oh my God, please don't get sick. Please don't get sick. You know, fingers crossed. I mean, if some somebody sneezed, you were like, oh no. It's like, cause I can't, I can't get sick. I don't have medical insurance, you know? And so one of the greatest things is when you grow the business and you get to the point where you can get medical insurance. I mean, you feel like you're like on top of the world, you know, that I can get medical insurance. Like I can pay for this. I can go to the doctor and get an annual checkup. It's a great thing. It's an accomplishment. And for business owners, certain things, it's just those little things we take, we take for granted the little amenities and things that we get. Get, but you begin to learn to respect it a lot more when you have a business. You know, you respect the customer service a lot more. You respect managing waste. You respect these things. You respect every dollar. And so it really does make a huge, huge difference. And it is a big deal to walk away from that. Yeah. It's not for the faint hearted. Yes. It's really not. No. Not for the <laughs> 
<laughs> I agree. What do you feel is the biggest struggle when a business is trying to tackle their branding? Gosh, you know, over the years I've seen so many, but one of the biggest struggles is just not understanding what branding is. And what I have found is once once a business owner understands in its most simplest, straightforward form, what branding is and what it's not, it makes things so much easier. My father, may he rest in peace, transferred to me. He says, let me explain something to you. Business is not hard. People make it harder than it needs to be because we put too, we add too many things to it. Business is straightforward. It is, it is linear. It's straightforward. Either you do this or you don't do that. You go here or you don't go here. You offer this or you don't offer that. You show up this way or you don't show up this way. It's really straightforward. And we make things more complex than we need to be, which is why I love what I do because I get to uncomplicate those complex things. We can uncomplicate the journey. And when people don't understand what branding is, or they have been bombarded with so many versions of what branding is, that's what makes things extremely difficult. I like to tell people it's very simple. You brand before you market, you market before you advertise. There's certain things that sit in branding. There's certain things that sit in marketing. There's certain things that sit in advertising, but you don't advertise before you market and you don't market before your brand. But as a, a consumer or as somebody just getting started, it's hard to determine which part is being done. So in other words, yeah. we're just seeing everything thrown at us all at once. So it, mm-hmm. when, when you're starting a, a small business, sometimes it's difficult to say, oh, I should start here. It just seems like people just take off running, trying to do mm-hmm. all of the things. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine that's why it gets messy really, really quick. When I did my research, I found that Zencaster was by far the best choice for my podcast. I wanted clear sound, the ability to record HD video, automatic transcripts, and most importantly, I was looking for a platform that was easy to use, not just for me, but also for my guests. I love that there's nothing to download, and with just a click, I can interview business owners worldwide. If you've been putting off making the switch, or maybe you've yet to launch your podcast, believe me, I've done the homework, and I know you'll be happy to join the Zencaster family. I want you to have the same and easy experience in your podcasting journey. Visit zen.ai backslash handmade CEO pod zero and enter promo code handmade CEO zero to get 30% off your first three months. That's zen.ai backslash handmade CEO zero. I'll also have the link for you in the show notes. It's time to share your story. Now back to the show. It does. It gets messy very quick and it and and the mess can be extensive. It could last for years. And that really is the challenge, right? Because we live in such a noisy world, right? Doing business is not like it was 20, 30 years ago. Business 20 or 30 years ago was very simple, straightforward. Now, fast forward, we have to remember not only how to operate the business, but now we have to learn about all the technology that we need in order to get the business. We have to make sure all of our systems and processes are connected to this technology, then we have to remember, let's not forget, we have to do lead generation. But now lead generation takes on so many different legs. Do I lead generate through social media? Do I lead generate through only search engine optimization? Do I lead generate through 
networking? Do I lead generate through online ads, print magazines, radio? What do I do? Where do I go? And right. and and if if you just if we don't apply simplicity to what we're doing, that's how we get into it. And today, people are being bombarded with this false message. You can start your business today and in 30 days from now you'll be a millionaire. Right. This is the message that gets transferred. So now you have people that start businesses with the intent that they're going to do this microwave marketing, this microwave uh, business development process, and they're going to go from zero to a million in 30 days or a year, even a year. Now, I like to try to tell people, hold on a second. Let's think about this. If you are in a womb, it takes you nine months just to come to the point where you can come into the world. Like there's a cycle of life. There's a cycle of business, right? And we can't continue to absorb or align with this microwave way of business development and marketing because it is costing us a lot of money and it's also hurting the marketplace. There are companies right now that failed within their first five years of business and they're great businesses, but they never learn to stop doing a microwave approach to business growth and marketing. And so therefore the business went down. That's a great example, having to respect the order of things that you gave, like with a a child being born. And I think it's the overwhelm that has small business owners running in a million different directions. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. Can you tell me, say for somebody that has gotten themselves in the situation where they, they know, or they, they're suspecting that their branding isn't working. How does a rebranding approach look? Is it something that you can tell right away? It's something that needs to get done or do you have to go through some, you know, checkpoints to see if maybe it's, it's not so much the rebranding as marketing that mm-hmm. has to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Well, what we do at Impact Branding, I'm, there's a process that I developed how we assess and evaluate a company to see, well, what's really wrong? And through that process of development, I developed a software to support in the movement of this because we found that there's too much guesswork that's going on and all that guesswork hurts. But when a company comes and they say, listen, something's wrong. I, I know that something's not quite right. I can't put my finger on it, but something needs to be fixed. Most, if not many businesses will go to the first thing that says we are marketing is bad. Well, when we do our assessment, we evaluate the company internally as well as externally. A lot of times people only look externally. And I like to say business is good or bad inside first. It's not good or bad externally. And then it comes inside. Business is good or bad from the inside first. And then that then permeates externally. So we look at the business um, architecture, the business structure from the inside, and we work our way out. We look at, you said that company says, hey, listen, you said that you want to um, acquire 10% more customers in this particular industry. However, when we step back and we look internally, your market messaging doesn't speak to that audience. Your activities don't speak to acquisition of 10% more. And also your processes inside don't resonate with the audience. So when the internal and the external are not in synergy. The outcome is not going to be cohesive. We're not going to get what we need. We also even look at the team. If you're telling the team one thing, but you, the leader, are functioning very differently, and then on top of that, what's being said externally, those three are three different messages. They're not in sync. They're not in sync. 
Yeah. So we look at companies and we say, when someone comes to us, they say, Hey, I need branding. The first thing I'll always ask them is what does that mean to you in your own words? So without using the word branding, tell me what, what you feel needs to be fixed or what you're trying to achieve. And I always ask, don't come and ask me, I need branding because keep in mind, we have two sides of branding. We have a strategic side of branding and we have a creative side of branding. Oftentimes companies, small businesses look at the creative side of branding only. They never pay attention to the strategic side. And when someone like me, cause we do strategic branding, we look at the strategic flow of it and we will, we are able to see the gaps and identify this is what's wrong because strategically there is no alignment. There is no structure. There's no foundation. There's no process. And so what you're doing on the creative side is just flying by the seat of your pants. It may look pretty, right, Maria? It looks pretty. Right. You got a yes. logo, you got a pretty website, but on a foundational level, structurally, it is not going to be profitable. That makes so much sense. And really, to me, it always feels like the branding part is always the fun, pretty graphics <laughs> and the messaging. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that you're saying there's another side to it. So when somebody is frustrated or they feel like their business isn't really working or something's missing, it makes sense to talk to a branding expert like yourself because really it, it might not have to be as challenging as mm -hmm. we're making it. Exactly, exactly. When And here's what I'll find. When I work with larger companies, larger, even larger small businesses or larger companies, I don't have any struggle with them. I don't have, I don't have to convince them that strategic branding is needed and that it should be respected. It is oftentimes when I come in and in, into the small business um, market, the very small business market, the micro businesses, that's when I find that there is a lack of respect for strategic branding. That's where I'll find, oh, well, maybe we'll think about it or we can't, we won't make a decision, but yet they'll take the money and go spend on getting a new website or spend on getting someone to do social media not realizing you're still going to have the same negative outcome because you haven't fixed what the core problem is. Oh, that's golden. My, yeah. Yes. Micro businesses have to spend time planning it out. Most small, most micro businesses, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, they'll think of an idea and they'll implement. Bigger companies think of an idea and they'll put the plan in place and they'll make sure that this makes sense and on all angles, and then they implement. So I will say to a small business, keep in mind, for every one minute you spend in planning, you are saving 10 minutes on implementation. Okay. Well, that's great advice, especially if a small business owner is limited with their funds. It would make more sense to have this strategic plan in place so that you're not just, like you said, wasting your money on a website or on a social media plan when everything else in the background is not fixed first. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's similar to, you know, like the best analogy I can say is it's similar to, hey, I I burnt the cake. The cake is burnt, crispy, but I don't want to throw out the cake because I put so much time in baking a cake. We got eggs, we got flour, you know, we got sugar, we got all that stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lather it with the best buttercream icing. So the outside looks really good and it looks like it's edible right up until you slice the cake open and you got a big burnt piece of cake. Yes. So I love waste, that analogy. You see what I mean? <laughs> you, so not, not only did we, we already put enough energy in wasting, you know, we made a mistake, we burnt the cake. Ah, what we should have did was stop, 
remake the cake, and then we would have put the icing on. But no, exactly. what we did was put good, perfectly good icing on a, a cake that's not edible. So now right. not only did we waste all the money in baking the cake and we wasted time burning it, now we also wasted time putting perfectly good icing on the cake. That's money wasted. And the time we spent putting that burnt icing, uh, the icing on the burnt cake, it doesn't work. So that's his business. We have to be very careful. Small businesses are so eager to get going, but they won't stop long enough to think all the way through what they're doing and be okay with the pause. That's the thing that most entrepreneurs and small businesses don't, they're not okay with the pause and we have to be okay with the pause. Yes. Well, with that, who do you serve and what services do you offer? Like what's your ideal client look like? So our ideal clients are in the healthcare industry. We work with healthcare hospitals, doctors' offices, things like that. And we also work with professional service providers, which are other consulting firms. We work with IT firms, HR companies. We work with those firms, staffing agencies, home healthcare agencies, which is in the healthcare arena. So we work with those companies. And we also do we're government contractors. So we do business with government agencies, state, federal, and local. When we talk about our business arena, this type of business we work with is some people will say, how much revenue do we have to make in order for you to work with us? Here's the difference in how we work. We don't look at only the revenue. We look at the capability and the capacity of the business. And then we also evaluate the behavior patterns of the leader. And the reason why we make decisions based on that, if the leader is willing and ready to do what needs to be done to turn the business around, we can turn the business around. Even if the business is not profitable, if they have a lot of mess going on, we can clean that mess up. Here's what we can't do. The leader refuses to acknowledge that the business needs help They refuse to acknowledge that things need to change. It doesn't matter how amazing we are and what the great work we do, that business will never move because the leader will not allow the business to grow. So we don't necessarily come to a place and say, hey, you have to be making 2 million and up. That's not what we say. We actually step back and we say, let's look at the capacity and the capabilities of the business. If the business has the ability to scale, we can scale it. We can help that company. The only way we can't help the company is when the leader will not allow it. We've had clients that came to us who were making less than less than 50000 a year, and we've grown them to, to be over a $250,000 business in about two years. But we've also gotten clients who were making almost a million, and they could they never moved past that million in two years because the, lead, the leader just would not allow the change to take place. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and it must be really frustrating to have to work with a leader in the in a business who is constantly going against the grain, feeling yeah. like nothing's broken and you're just supposed <laughs> to magically fix it, <laughs> even though it's not yeah. broken. Fix what's wrong, but yeah, nothing's broken and we're not going to change anything. And that's when I'll say, so tell me, why did you seek help? Why are we here? And a lot of times what I'll find is that the leader doesn't want to acknowledge that, you know, they've made some mistakes or they, they didn't pay attention to something. Something slipped through the cracks. They will not acknowledge where their contribution to either the stagnation or the decline is. And until they do that, the business won't move because they will never acknowledge, okay, you know what? You're right. Let's fix it. They won't do it. And and that usually is the hard part for any business because a business won't scale and you can't help. So I always say, well, why are we here? You're looking yeah. for another employee to just do what you say, whether it's right or wrong. And we don't do that. If it's not right, we're going to let you know this is not the right direction. As the expert coming in with over 14, 15 years of 
positive experience. Not only am I've, wrote, I've written books about it, I've speak about it, I've been awarded awards upon awards with it. I, I go to school, I have a degree in it and I practice it. You can't tell me no, because right. if you knew how to do it, you would have done it. And so it's just like, I don't tell a barber how to cut hair. I tell a barber how to make more money running a barbershop. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. What actionable tips do you have for someone interested in starting their, their maybe they already have a small business or they have mm-hmm. a business and they're interested in, in the first steps in branding? Awesome. So first thing I would say is respect the pause. Be okay with the pause. I would say if things are really chaotic right now, you can't really put your finger on what's wrong, but you know something is not right. The first thing I would say is pause. Stop moving. Stop moving moving and sit down and get a pen and paper and make two columns. What is working, what's truly working and what is not working or what has been painful to implement. It's been costing more money. It's been overwhelming. It's been frustrating. What have I been trying to implement that hasn't been rolling out and make your two columns. And I would say, keep what's working and reevaluate what's not working. Is it time to stop chipping away at it, or it's time to really put a structure and a plan to it. That's first one. The second thing I would say is what I just said, actually have a plan. If you do not have a clear plan on what you're doing this month, this quarter, this year, if you can't pick something up, a a document or go to a file on your computer to tell you here is exactly what we are going to accomplish this year, that means you do not have a roadmap to follow. And that is going to be your greatest Achilles heel. That's going to be the greatest problem. And until you know exactly where you're going, you don't know how to get there. That's the best advice I would give. If you're stuck, make two columns and start paying attention to what's really going on. And then if you really don't have a plan, if you cannot open a document on your computer or pull out a file and you can clearly say in this year, or here's what we're in, first of all, we're at the end of a year. (laughs) What are we doing next year? Exactly say clearly, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're going to get there. Here's who we need to connect with. Here's the product or services we're launching. If you don't have a picture of what you're doing, that means you don't know where you're going. You're just waking up, just floating and going along with the day. That is no way to run a business. Yes. Well, and it must also feel extremely stressful to be running a business that way. Yeah, it is stressful and it's costly. It's extremely costly. Companies that run businesses like this, they blow a lot of money. And oftentimes they don't realize how much money they're really spending until someone sits them down and say, hey, let's take a look at this and see what's going on. We had one client who didn't realize that they were spending over $50,000 a month on an unprofitable business. It just kept throwing money at something, hoping it'll stick it on. Again, this was beautiful icing on the burnt piece of cake. I think that's probably one of the most overlooked things is, is the ability to spend so much time on something and and you're also not recognizing how much that time is actually costing you. So apart from mm-hmm. the actual cost, you're also putting a lot of wasted time into this. And so that's something I think as business owners, we we tend to overlook or we, we say, well, it's for my business. So you don't actually <laughs> charge your hours right. accordingly. And so right. it becomes even more of a loss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's emotionally, it is an emotional investment as well. The emotional drain that you have to to deal with when you're pouring your heart and soul into everything. People are sacrificing. They're sacrificing their retirement money. They're sacrificing vacations with family. Some people have mortgaged off their home, second mortgages just to get something going. And when you have to face the reality that, my goodness, this is not working. And I I put everything 
everything I have. I put all my chip, I've pushed all my chips in. I'm all in and I'm not making a good decision. That is a very hard, hard image to look at in the mirror. Oh, yes. Yeah, for sure. Can you give me a valuable piece of advice that you've learned throughout your years and and maybe into becoming a business owner? Yeah, my goodness, so many. But here's the best one I could I could give. One of the best ones I can give. Hire your weakness. Okay. People don't people don't pay you for your weaknesses. They pay you for your strengths. And the more time you can you can spend in your strengths, that's that's really the more you can make more money because no one wants to pay you for a learning curve. So you focus on your strengths so that you can take care of your your customers or your clients. By doing that, you'll be able to make enough money and you can go hire your weakness. Always hire your weakness first. Oh, I love that one. That's awesome. <laughs> Natasha, where can we connect with you? You know, the best way to connect with me, if you just go to natashadavisvisionary.com, that's natashadavisvisionary.com. You can connect with me. You can connect with me on social media. You can find everything you need. And also you'll find some really cool resources as well. I give away, every month I'm giving away great branding and marketing tips. So when you go to the website, you'll be able to access those resources. So go to Natasha davisvisionary.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Natasha. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it, my friend, another genius CEO sharing her passion with the world. I love that Natasha's journey started out in a completely different field. She didn't allow the time and money invested in her education to detract her from her ultimate dream. Be sure to check the show notes to connect with Natasha and to join her community. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job. 